In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Nice to see you. Happy New Year. I wonder, I wonder if there has been a moment in your life that you can look back on as pivotal. A pivotal moment in your life as an event or a circumstance that changed the course of where you were headed, or uh, who you were to become. Uh, I had a moment like that when I was uh, a senior in high school, late in my senior year in high school. I had been accepted to the university of my choice, but it was a good bit, ex- good bit more expensive uh, than the school uh, at which I had been waitlisted, uh, Wake Forest University. And my parents had about 10,000 reasons that if I got into Wake Forest, I should go uh, to Wake Forest. And we agreed, and I thought that was a pretty safe bet, because I didn't think I was going to get into Wake Forest. Well, I came home uh, one night in April after soccer practice, and Dad uh, was standing in the living room wearing a Wake Forest hat. Now, some of you guys who go uh, fans of big schools might think it's funny that he had to go to four stores to find a Wake Forest hat. Uh, but I had gotten in. Uh, they'd gotten the call that day, and, and that's where I was going. It's like, you know, in the movies where a, a train is barreling down on a track, and the track at the last minute shifts at a junction, and it turns the corner. And that's kind of what I felt like. I wasn't really thrilled about it, honestly, at the time. Uh, I could not appreciate the magnitude then. Uh, But that night in our living room, uh, when I found out where I was going to college, uh, that was a pivotal moment for for me in my life. Uh, I thought I was headed in one direction, the track shifted, I ended up going another direction. And I can look back and I can see the hand of God uh, over all of that. uh, Wake Forest is where I first heard my call to ordain ministry. It's where I received so much of my foundational spiritual formation. It's where I met my wife. So, uh, so much of my life now is direct, I mean, maybe 90 or 95% of my life now is directly related to who I met and what I experienced at that particular time and season in my life. But I always think of that night in my living room, dad with the hat on, uh, as, as a moment when the direction of my life changed. And I wonder if you've had moments like that, sort of crossroads or fork in the road moments where you can look back and see just how critical that moment was in relation to where you are or who you are now. And so we're entering epiphany. We've had Christmas, and now this is the season of Epiphany. The first Sunday after the Epiphany, which is always January 6th, is the Epiphany. first Sunday after that, we always look at the baptism of Jesus. And so as we do that, I want to invite you to look at your own baptism as that kind of pivotal moment in your life. Whether you were baptized as an infant, and you have no memory of it, or whether you chose to be baptized, and you can remember that, like Kim and Callie today will be baptized in just a minute, adults who will uh, soon be baptized. Either way, I want you to consider that moment of baptism as one where the track of your life shifted 
by the very hand of God and the very grace and love of God. Now, if you find yourself here this morning and you have not been baptized, uh, then I just want to invite you to consider the possibility and the invitation that lies before you. And for you two who are being baptized today, what this moment is uh, in your life. And so as we consider uh, at least some of, we can't get to all of baptism in this, in this sermon, but, but at least some of what's offered to us, what's true about us through baptism, we want to think about three things. First, what John the Baptist said about Jesus. What God the Father said to Jesus. And then why that all matters to us. So number one, uh, what John the Baptist said about Jesus, what God the Father, number two, said uh, to Jesus, and then number three, why that all matters to us. So first, what John the Baptist said about Jesus. And we spent a lot of time with John the Baptist in Advent, didn't we? And uh, he, he, we saw he's the one that God sent ahead of Jesus to prepare the way. And one of the main things that we said was that it is almost always in some sort of wilderness where God begins the conversation with us. We feel lost or confused, disillusioned or ashamed. Uh, We are at a crossroads. And and John was, people were coming to John with all sorts of crossroads in their lives, uh, burdens to get rid of, uh, things that they needed to confess, uh, all sorts of intentions of getting their life right. And so they came to John. Interesting, isn't it? They didn't go to the priests in the temple in Jerusalem. They came to John because John could interpret the cavity that they felt inside of them. This God-shaped cavity. They, They needed God. And they had been running from Him. They'd been living their lives for themselves. They needed the one that they were made by. And that they needed the one that they were made for. And so John would preach a fiery sermon. He'd dunk them down in the River Jordan as a symbol of their sins being washed away down the river. And then he would essentially encourage them to make good moral choices. But John knew that what he had to offer these people was incomplete. And so he was always pointing ahead. I mean, if you ever see him, artist rendering of John, uh, John the Baptist, he's always pointing. He's pointing ahead to the one whose way he was preparing. He is pointing to Jesus. And so to all those in the wilderness who came looking to have that God-shaped cavity inside them filled, uh, John said, I baptize you with water. But he, the one who's coming, Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's what John said about Jesus. He was speaking prophetically. And he didn't say, well, he might baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And he didn't say, I wonder if he will, or if you're lucky, he will, or if you behave, he will. He said he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now that, I don't know about you, some, for some of us, that, carries, that phrase carries a little freight. We have, it conjures up images uh, that we might be, not be too sure about, people speaking in tongues or um, faith healings and things. And, and there's a lot to say about those things and, and, and maybe another time. But um, 
just lots to say about different outward miraculous manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And no one would have been more qualified for those things than Jesus. But I don't think that that's what John meant, those sort of things. I don't think that's what John meant when he said he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I think to understand what he meant, we have to look at number two. And that is what God, the Father, said to Jesus. So, Jesus is coming up out of the water. And the clouds break open. And the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus uh, like a dove, it says. Covers him up. Flutters around him. So, Jesus has been immersed in the water. Right? And now he's immersed in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is baptized with the Holy Spirit. And immediately upon that baptism, Jesus receives God's words over him. God God the Father speaks over him and says, You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. See, what John could offer symbolically through baptism of water is given actually through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The washing away of sins symbolized in John's baptism is actual and factual as an act of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone. So when all that stuff that gets in between us and God uh, is gone, is removed, then the consequence of that cleansing is sonship or daughtership. (laughs) Family relationship. God the Father becomes our Father. Uh, You might be thinking, and I hope you are thinking, hold up, preach it. Because Jesus didn't have sin. And and he he was, and he always was, God the Son. He didn't need to be cleansed from sin. And so he didn't need to fill that god sized cavity in his heart. Right, preacher? And if that's what you're thinking, then you are right. (laughs) You're right. So then, why did Jesus need to be baptized? Why did he come to be baptized with a baptism of repentance if he didn't have anything to repent of? How, uh, you know, why would he come to John, the one who was pointing to him, in order to be baptized by John? If you remember the Gospel of Matthew, John the Baptist asked the same question. He says, I need to be baptized by you. The answer to why Jesus was baptized is it was the most unexpected and wonderful thing that Jesus could have done for all of us who do have that gnawing need for God in our lives. Who do have sin in our lives that keeps us from God. Jesus was baptized to say, I am with you. I am with you. Rather than distinguishing myself or elevating myself, I am aligning myself with you. With sinners in need of a Savior. With the lonely Uh, in need of God's love, with the broken in need of God's healing, with the prideful in need of God's humbling grace. Jesus was baptized to say, I am with you. But then he shows us that it is in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which comes with that, that proclamation of faith, that we hear the Father's assurance, you're my child, my beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. That's what God the Father said to God the Son. And that brings us to number three. What does that mean for us? 
you might have to work with me on this illustration. So, a, a few weeks ago, our dryer was running hot for hours, right? And so it, it was never drying the clothes, and I had to climb back there and take the things apart and reach in there, and I had to remove this big clog, of this big lint clog in the, in the duct and take it out so that the air could flow, right? I mean, I, the, is there anything better in December than putting on a nice warm pair of jeans right out of the dryer, right? You, you want to enjoy that, but that lint clog had to be removed before the dryer could work properly and we could enjoy the dry clothes. So, when we're tumbling around, soaked in the dryer of life, you know, boom, 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 that's what life is doing. Baptism is the assurance that the lint clog of sin has been taken out. <laughs> Perfect, right? Perfect. The lint clog has been taken out by the death and resurrection of Jesus so that the Holy Spirit can get things flowing right, be present with us, and we can enjoy that relationship with God that we were made for. And listen, it's not just because you're a great person. You, I'm sure you are a great person. But, but it's not because you're a great person that God says, uh, you're my beloved child. It's because you are in Christ. It's because your faith is in Him and He is in you. John said... This Jesus, this Christ, he will, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then God the Father said to Jesus when he'd been baptized with the Spirit, you're my son, my beloved, and with you I'm well pleased. So if you are in Christ, baptized by the Spirit, then the Father's words to Jesus are his words to you. You are my beloved child, and with you I am well pleased. In Christ. If you're in Christ, if your faith is in His gracious and saving love, then whenever you're in a season of doubt or a struggle with sin or a period of loneliness or a crisis with cancer or a bout with depression, whatever it is, you can look at your baptism and you can know that you are His beloved child and with you He is well pleased apart from your circumstances, apart from your effort, apart from your past, apart from your good looks, you are the recipient of God's gracious, particular love. If something's going wrong, you don't have to wonder if God's punishing you for something that you've done because baptism reminds you that He took all that punishment upon Himself. You can look on your baptism and be reminded that you are His child. You are the object of of his love. You are the target of his grace. Because he is pleased with Jesus and you are in Jesus, then he is pleased with you and you are his child, his beloved, and he, with you he is well pleased. There is nothing more practical or relevant than this. I had to cling to this yesterday. Like I cannot tell you how comforting this was to be working through this yesterday that, and to remember in the midst of everything that I am his child and with me he is well pleased because of Christ. And there was nothing I could do to mess that up. If you are a parent of a two-year-old or the spouse of an alcoholic or the caregiver of parents whose retirement savings have run out, or if you are a widow or a widower, if you are frustrated with your boss, or if you are disappointed in yourself, look at your baptism and let it preach 
to you. Look at that pivotal moment of grace in your life and let it say to you again that your father is wearing a hat and it says heaven because that's where you're headed. And he didn't have to go to four stores to get it. He made it himself. (laughs) You belong to him. And it trumps every identity that we can construct for ourselves. It lifts every burden. It calms every fear. It opens the eyes of the blind. It opens the ears of the deaf. You are God's beloved child. He is pleased with you. He loves you. He likes you. He forgives you. You are His child. This is the constant and repeated message of your baptism. The sacrament of baptism. Such that when you doubt or when you struggle, you can look upon that pivotal moment, that defining sacramental holy moment and know that its promise is true. That if your faith is in Christ, it is because He has baptized you with the Holy Spirit. And just as the Father spoke to Jesus after the Holy Spirit, you see that Trinitarian note. God the Father speaking over the Spirit and the Son. uh, Just as He spoke to Him, so those words are for those who through Christ have the Spirit. You are my child, my beloved. And with you, I am well pleased. Amen.